0: God, I
1: you Ladies, we're going to dismiss K four through sixth grade to junior church this morning. You would please take your Bibles, and we're going to take the Word of God and turn to the book of Ephesians. I was talking to Miss Jessica. If you don't know Miss Jessica, she's down here in the front row. You should get to know her, and um, she is visually impaired, she's blind, she uses a a cane to find her way, and uh, there's a lot of tools for people that are blind, and one of them is a reader, a Braille reader that she uses, but that's broken, and uh, one of the things that she says she she misses out on is reading along with us as we take the scriptures, and so be in prayer that 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 can be fixed, and uh, a lot of things are very expensive, and I'm learning a little bit about uh, her disability and the resources that are available for her, which there are some, but I'm surprised that why there's not more. But I think that we'll make it a matter of prayer as a church that that she can get that fixed, she can read along with us and uh, some of the other things that she's doing. But I think God's doing a great thing. She's gaining some independence. She's moved out on her own in the last few weeks, a couple mu- or month now, I guess, a month and a half. And uh, she is in a much better place and so we praise the lord for all that he's doing there in her life let's stand for the reading of god's word ephesians chapter 2 out of respect for the the word of the lord and i'm so glad we have the bible today with so many things that are around us that are not sure i'm glad that the bible is sure and the bible has is the word of god it stood uh the attacks of all hell and uh All wicked uh, aspects of creation that have tried to destroy the Bible. Uh, Men have tried to destroy it and have been utterly unsuccessful. The word of God will stand forever. I'm thankful that God doesn't change. I'm thankful that we have security and hope when all the world is falling apart. We've been studying the book of Ephesians. We've been in chapter 2 for a little while. And we've looked at the, um, uh, the fact that uh, we were dead in our sins. But praise God, we were made alive. And uh, we saw that God, verse 4, is rich in mercy. His love, wherewith he loved us. We know that God's love is expressed to us through grace and mercy. When we were dead in our sins... He made us alive. He quickened us together with Christ. It's all because of Jesus that we have salvation. But that verse also reminds me of Romans 5.8, that God showed us His love. He didn't just say, I love you. He demonstrated His love. He commendeth His love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 6, He hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show us the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. And for by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, you can read it with me. Not of works, lest any man should boast. We see that works is not something that we should run away from either though. Works for salvation is a lie. But works after salvation is God's plan. For we are His workmanship. We're His work. God did a work for us. God's going to do a work in us if we let Him. And He wants to do a work through us. Created unto good works. Let's read verse number 11 down through verse 18 this morning out loud together. With great volume if you can with me. Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh... Who are called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes were afar off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in the flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, And came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for your word. I do thank you for the, uh, the, the truth that we have in our hands. Dear God, we don't have to look to the world for the answers. The world needs to look to you. We all need to look to you. We thank you for your... Mind written down in our hands. We have your, uh, what you want us to know, what we need to know. And dear God, I do pray that you would help us to trust the word even more. May it be seen in our life through our obedience. Dear God, I pray that you would help us to have greater faith in the darkest of days that we've known. I pray that you would help us to submit more and more to your spirit. Help us to continually grow. Help us to, uh, Lord, to to have just a wonderful place on this earth called the church. May we come here. May we be a part of this uh, this design that you've given to us. Your plan for this age. And, dear God, I pray that you'd help us to beautify your church. Help us to uh, to edify it. Help us not to be a detractor. Help us not to be a drain. Help us to be someone who adds the love of Christ and the beauty and the gifting that you've given to us to this body. I do pray that you would bless all that is said and done in this place in your word. Teach us your truth. In Jesus' name I pray and we trust you. Amen. You may be seated this morning. So we see um, kind of what Paul is talking about here. He's talking to the Believers in the church at Ephesus. Ephesus was a large city in its day. Ephesus was a a place that they say the population was around a quarter of a million people. That's an incredible amount of people for that time. The largest city in the world was Rome with a million people. We see that Ephesus was a place of diverse culture. There were Jews, there were Gentiles. But he's speaking to people that were primarily, formally unbelievers, but primarily Gentiles. He says here in verse number 11, Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called the uncircumcision, the Jews are what they were known as the circumcision, would call the uncircumcision, Gentiles. He says, that verse number 12, that at that time, ye were without Christ. See, uh, God's program in the Old Testament was to deal with a people, a nation, the descendants of a man named Abraham. They were the Jewish people. God's chosen people. And God made a distinct difference between the Jews and the Gentiles. He set them apart, not because He was only going to love this group of people. No, but He set the Jews apart from the Gentiles that He might use them to be a channel of His revelation, the Word of God, and His goodness to all nations. Now I was reading this morning the Christmas story because it's one of my favorite uh, parts of the Bible. Luke chapter 2 and verse number 10. I'll turn there just to make sure I I read it correctly. But Luke chapter 2 verse number 10, we see the angel come to the shepherds. And uh, verse number 10, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, do you know the rest of it? For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to, you fill in the rest, all people. Behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. You might be thinking, well, what's the big deal about that? Because we know the rest of the story, right? But you think about this, this angel's coming to uh, these uh, shepherds on the Judean hillside to Jews, and he's saying, Great joy is coming to all people. Not just to the Jews, but to all people. God's plan was to use the Jews, to use this, this nation, but to bring goodness and revelation to all Gentile nations. Not that the Jews might boast, but that they might be a blessing and a help to the Gentiles. God. If you remember, God made a covenant with Abraham. And circumcision, we know, was the physical mark of that covenant. Verse number 12, again, that in times past you were without Christ. When they were lost. When they were ignorant of the truth. He said, in time past, and praise God, that was in the past for them. And I hope that you are without Christ in the past, but not in the present. I hope that you know Jesus Christ this morning and that God knows you, that Christ knows you. But he says that in time past you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of the promise, having no hope. And without God in the world, you see that word without we see that in that verse in time past. ye were what without Christ. You know that is a great word to describe the Gentiles. they were without they were on the outside, right uh, they were without Christ. See the Ephesians they worshiped the goddess Diana they had uh, uh, they had known uh, What it was to worship, but they didn't know Christ before they were saved. They were without Christ. And my friend, every unsaved person, uh, whether they're Jewish or Gentile, if they're without Christ, that means that they are not saved. If they're not saved, they are without Christ. Not only without Christ, we see that the Gentiles, verse 12, they were without citizenship, they were without the nation. The people that God had called for His name, the Jewish people, everyone else was without that that blessing of citizenship. They were not born in that very special nation. Now, God had provided that some could be proselytes and come in, but they did not have the same blessing as those that were born into citizenship. Then we see they were without covenants. God didn't make covenants with Gentile nations. He made a covenant with the Jewish people. Everyone else were strangers and foreigners. And then we see they were without hope and also without God. Now, Paul, when he went to Athens, he found plenty of gods that people were worshiping. It wasn't that the world was without gods, but the world without God the Lord Jesus Christ today, my friend, has plenty of gods to worship, but does not know the one true God that we worship. And praise God, you were, uh, you were found in your, uh, your hour of need. In our despair, the Holy Spirit of God moved in our life and convicted us of our need of salvation and convicted us of the truth of Scripture And God found us, God redeemed us, and now we have Christ. You don't have to be a Jew, you don't have to have the same uh, heritage as the children of Abraham, because God made a way. But it's salvation is not for the Jews, it's of the Jews, and I'm so thankful that God used the Jewish people to bring blessing and revelation and the truth and salvation to all nations. You don't have to be a gentile or a Jew to have salvation. Praise God. Although I'm a Gentile, although I don't have that heritage, although I don't have that blessing per se, I have all the greatest blessing in the world in knowing Jesus Christ because God made a way through the Jews. And I understand here that the Gentiles had been without Christ. They've been without citizenship. They've been without covenants, hope. They've been without God. But that's not how they were now when Paul was writing to them. He says, he says, uh, verse 13 but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off, I love this, are made nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. We see that verse 13, but now it's parallel to verse number four. Makes me think of verse number four. I like verse number four. But God, who is rich in mercy. Amen. But let me see verse 13. You were without, you were on the outside. But verse 13, but now, and here's all the difference in the world, in Christ Jesus. See, that's the key, my friend. Christ Jesus. Not, well, you were outside the camp at one time, but now you're circumcised or you're accepted into the Jewish people. My friend, it's not becoming a Jew that gets us to heaven. It's not joining a religion that gets us to heaven. It's not changing our life and doing things in our life that gets us a salvation and gets us heaven. It's Jesus Christ who makes all the difference in anyone who has ever gone to heaven. He says there in verse number 8, it's the grace of God. For by grace, not good works, not Jewish heritage, not circumcision, not baptism. For by grace are ye saved through faith. Faith. Not of yourselves, it's the gift, gift of God. In Christ Jesus, now ye who were sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. That's what God did for the Gentiles. That's what God did. You could put your name there. That's what God did for me. But now, although you were outside, but now God brought you near. See, the Jews were nigh; they were near. The Gentiles were afar off. But in Christ, all can be brought to the blood of Jesus Christ, can be saved from their sin. He says, verse 14, He is our peace. He is our peace. See, Paul talks about the greatest peace mission that was ever launched. Jesus Christ came to earth. Not to condemn sinners. Because, my friend, we were already condemned. We were lost. Uh, Jesus didn't come. The Messiah didn't come to condemn us. But that we would be saved from our sin. That we would be reconciled. We would find peace. Uh, We see there, verse 14. For he is our peace who hath made both one. So he brought the Jews and the Gentiles, he brought the nations of the world together. Only Jesus Christ can bring all of the nations of the world together. See, uh, we're, we're watching around the world two nations, maybe three or four nations, five nations try to find peace, find common ground trying to find a cord, trying to find uh, that commonality or respect for each other. But it's in Jesus Christ. It's only in Jesus Christ that He can bring all people, all nations together. And uh, He is our peace. And uh, He hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, who? The Jews and the Gentiles. Uh, it's only Jesus that can reconcile. But He did it. He brings the Jews, the Gentiles together. He brings peace with those two. And then, verse 15, having abolished in His flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances. For to make in Himself of Twain one new man, so making peace. See, the word reconcile, reconcile, means to bring together. Reconcile. We hear about reconciliation in a home, in a church, in relationships. Bringing together, reconciling our differences. That's what Jesus did. See, when Adam and Eve sinned, they were separated from God. And uh, not only was man separated from God, but now even God separated the Jews from the rest of the human family, uh, from the Gentiles. His purpose was salvation, but we see that uh, the Jews, God separated them, but it wasn't because He only loved them. It's because that is through that family, through that nation, that he could bring about his wonderful plan of redemption to not just save them, but to save all people. And all people can find salvation in the Jews. Romans chapter 10, there's no difference anymore. Now that that, that, uh, that plan has been accomplished, God has done what he needed to do, now there's no difference between the Jews and the Gentiles In Christ, in regards to our salvation, we come together. I understand we talk a lot about it in this church, about how that God is not done with Israel. We understand that human family, the nation, God still has a plan for them. But they have to get saved the same way that you and I have to get saved. But he's just trying to give them some time to get their eyes open to the true Messiah. Romans chapter 10, blindness in part has come to the Jews uh, and, and, and we see uh, that Romans 10, 12, for there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. I love that verse. But I like the next verse even, uh, even more. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. See, the first verse that I I quoted there explains what God did, and the second verse tells me how I can be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. See, it was Jesus, what he did on the cross, that abolished that wall of separation. It, It was Jesus that brought the Jew and the Gentile together. Verse 17 Or verse 16, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And he came and he preached peace to you which were afar off. And then to them that were nigh. See, make a point here. Verse 17, the Jews were nigh. They were close because they were in that family. They understood or they had The opportunity to understand what God was doing in the world because he had revealed truth to them. Not for them to keep it to themselves, but they were were near. They were part of God's plan of redemption. And then the Gentiles, they were afar off. And he says that he preached peace to you which were afar off and to them which were nigh. But see, the peace can only be found at the cross of Jesus Christ, not Gentiles becoming Jews or Jews becoming Gentiles, but that all would come together in the commonality of the cross of Jesus Christ. See, the early church, if you go to the book of Galatians, uh, the church in, uh, churches in Galatia, they had a misunderstanding about some of this. They thought that in order to be saved, you had to uh, adopt all the rituals and the practices and, and uh, the religious practices of a Jew. Uh, you had to go through circumcision. You had to go through all of the, the physical things that were required of Jews in order to be saved. But I, I, my friend, the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 3 verse 26, uh, we have an explanation here. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. See, uh, the Jews were thinking, well, we're still special in in the fact that it's only us that can go to heaven. Only the Jews can be saved. Paul kind of bursts their bubble. He tells them, ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Not in the law. Not in Judaism, not in keeping uh, the rituals, not in circumcision or baptism. He says, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. You've been spiritually immersed in Christ. He says, uh, there is neither Jew nor Greek. In Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek. He says there's neither bond or free. And there's neither male nor female. He says, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. I love that doctrine, the priesthood of the believer. So we believe as uh, that each of us have the ability to come to God on our own, and the, uh, the, uh, the, the soul liberty where we come to God on our own, we have that access to God. But we also have to give an account for ourselves to God. We don't have to go through the church. We don't have to go through the priest or pastor or deacon or through the board or through any other thing, we give an account to God for ourselves. And uh, we, we have uh, neither male nor female. That doesn't matter with God. Uh, you're not a second-class person if you happen to be a uh, bond. There, there are many in Paul's day that were enslaved. 60% of the Roman Empire were in slavery But that doesn't matter when you come to God. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Greek because God is rich unto all that call upon Him. And the Bible says that if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You and I have the same blessing as a Gentile, because of Christ. Because of Christ. See, verse 17. He came and he preached peace to you which were far off and to them which were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Praise God. Jews and Gentiles have the same access to God. This was a hard lesson for the uh, Early church to understand. You know, for centuries, the Jews and the Gentiles were separate. You think about the first 2,000 years of human history, up to the time of Abraham, we see the world uh, was, was uh, together, in the sense we were all part of the human family, or the, all those that lived in that day. The first 11 chapters of Genesis, 2,000 years. We see the decline of the human family, starting with Adam and Eve, all the way down. Then God chose, in chapter 12 of Genesis, He chose Abraham. And it is there that we see the beginning of this beautiful story of redemption, or the continuation, really, but through the Jewish people. Another 2,000 years of history, from Abraham to Jesus, roughly 2,000 years. God had separated the Jews from the Gentiles, and so this was kind of a hard pill for the early church to swallow the Jewish Christians to understand Uh, Because for centuries, for years, for their lifetime, they had been separate from the Gentiles. They were different in their religion, in the way they dressed, in the food that they ate, in the laws that they had. Until Acts chapter 10, though, of course we see Acts chapter 1, that, that Jesus commissions them to go out to preach the gospel to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria to the outermost parts of the world. But then we see in Acts chapter 10, uh, actually starting uh, there at chapter 8 and on, but chapter 10 specifically, Peter is sent to a Gentile. And the church had no problems up to that point. And now, you know, Gentiles, they need, to, they need to get with the program. They need to become like the Jews. How can, they, how can God accept those dirty people? But see, my friend, is not based on the laws that we follow. It's not based on the diet. It's not based on our clothing. It's not based on anything, whether you're male or female, bond or free, Jew or Gentile, because, my friend, all come under that umbrella of salvation. We're under that same uh, uh, grace, It's the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanseth us from sin. See, uh, the angel had it right. I bring to you a message of joy which shall be to all people. All people. We don't have to conform to a culture or tradition. A lot of Jews thought, well... We had it first, so they got to do what we do. They got to get with the program. Jesus was a Jew. And the first people to get saved were Jewish. So that's the standard, then, right? Uh uh. See, even in God's church, even today, it's hard for us in some ways to get beyond our differences. It's hard for us to see beyond culture sometimes. It's hard for us to see past race and the color of somebody's skin, the class that that person is, their social standing, their background, their parenting, whatever it is, their differences. It's hard for us to get beyond those dividing lines. And my friend, the devil loves to use anything. He will, he will use anything he can, but he loves to use these things because the devil's one of the devil's greatest tools in this age is division. The devil wants to bring discord and disharmony, disunity, whatever other thing that we can say about it but the devil wants to destroy the church and he'll not if he can't do it from the outside he'll do it from the inside and he can do it by dividing even Christians who should know better that we're not any different oh yes there are uh, a, it's a different culture but in Christ we are together we have that wonderful bond and that unity and that love that should pervade in our churches I think one of the greatest blessings that I've had as a Christian is to be able to go into another country or a different culture. and, and, And although I'm not very comfortable sometimes because of the differences, it's not that I don't care or don't love them because I purposely went there. And I wasn't necessarily shocked that there were differences. But what got me was spending some time there and finding out that guess what? We don't eat the same food, but we're really not that much different. And as a Christian, we're really the same. We have so much in common. And even through language barriers and all kinds of things, you just find that beautiful love, the bond, the commonality that there is with Christ that we all have that are saved. And the devil wants to just... Keep us looking at differences. When Paul is very clear here, it's not about your culture. It's not about your religious adherence. It's not how well you keep the law. It has nothing to do with race, with your uh, your background. It's because of Christ's work on the cross that unity and reconciliation and healing in our communities, it's only through that that we find a possibility towards our unity as a church. See, God is okay with different culture. God is okay with differences. Because God's not colorblind. Nothing happened like that accidentally. God's design. What we think is different and not appealing maybe, or just, uh, I'm not sure about that, I'm not so sure about that person. See, so many times we've already kind of come up in our mind what we believe about somebody before we even get to know them. And uh, sometimes after we get to know them, we might, we might be justified in our minds. Like, oh, well, see, I, I knew that was going to be how it was. And because we tend to think that way. But my friend, God, nothing caught God off guard. And God de- desires diversity in the world and especially in his church. Because God wants to bring all people And nations together. See if you look at what happened. In the the early history of the world. God did scatter people. The nations were divided across the world. And God did choose the Jewish people. To be uh, the nation. To bring salvation to the Gentiles. But what we see here in the book of. If you read the book of Acts. And you look at the early church. You see God is now bringing people back together. All the nations of the world are represented in this country. Many of them are represented in our city. A hundred years ago, 120 years ago, only 8% of the world, my friend, was urbanized. See, people were uh, completely uh, segregated, if you would. Different nations, everyone's separate. But now if we see the advance of technology and the culture and uh, the accessibility uh, to transportation and uh, through uh, the the fact that people are moving around the world very rapidly and things are progressing in that way, over 50% of the world's population now lives in cities. And by the year 2030, 60%, they say they project 60% of the world will live in cities And my friend, unfortunately, what we see in America is the wrong trend in Baptist or Christian churches. And that is that Christians are leaving the population centers. Churches are leaving the cities. Churches are not wanting to become diverse. Unfortunately, there's some churches that are, and... uh, They're not the right kind of churches. we got a lot of woke and all this kind of stuff going on in our urban centers. But the churches that have the truth, that are preaching the gospel, that are preaching salvation by grace through faith, many of them are following the trend to leave the cities. While God is bringing the world towards urbanization. It's not a mistake. And what do we need to do? If we're going to be God's church, we're going to have to get beyond our differences. We're going to have to get beyond the, 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 the culture problem. You know, we might say, well, you know, they're of that culture, and, uh, or they're of that religion, and uh, oh, they're just a little bit different, and, and we can't trust them. What is God saying? God's saying, I sent my son Jesus Christ to die for them. I sent Jesus to die for all people, not just the ones that look like you, who talk like you, who think like you. If the church, if God's church is going to be the church, we need to become engaged with those that are around us in our communities. I'm not saying that every church in the suburbs needs to move to the city. But there needs to be a trend towards planting churches in the, where people are at. Ephesus, 250,000 people. Fourth or fifth largest city in Paul's day. Corinth, even bigger. Thessalonica, uh, he went to Rome. His desire was to go to Rome. Because all roads lead to Rome. <laughs> but the roads that lead to Rome also lead away from Rome. You see, it's our, our, our cities, our population centers... Uh, If you want to get the gospel out, which that's what the apostles were trying to do, you go to where the people are at. Because the cities naturally, what is in the city flows to the rest of the world. To the region around Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, but also the uttermost parts of the world. So may we not run from every problem in our life when the neighborhood gets a little dicey. When things get a little bit uncomfortable. When people start moving in. See, right now we have a, a big part of our city this way is what, what people would call hipsters. I'm not, even su- I'm not sure exactly what that is entirely, but that is a term. And uh, there's a lot of young people... Moving in right into our, see, it used to be the trend that young couples moved to the suburbs. Now we see the young people moving into the cities. But there's a a large urban population right here. We also have a lot of um, Muslims that are moving into this region. We have a, a large Hispanic population not too far from here. While this area is still what it's been from the time it was developed over 100 years ago, demographic-wise, it is changing. And I'm okay with that. Because God didn't call us to establish a nice little church so we could have a nice little life and we could just be with our kind of people, but so that we could reach the world. And if we can't go to the world... God says, it's okay, I'll bring the world to you. We're sending missionaries out, but we can't be in every place. But let's reach the people that God brings to us. And and God's okay with that. He's okay with diversity. He wants every nation to hear the truth. And that is our mission. That's what we're called to. To do. So we see that we have a wonderful gift. You and I, probably everyone in this room, is not a Jew, did not have that, that uh, heritage. We're Gentiles. We are afar, we were the afar off. But I'm so thankful for God's plan. Oh, Jesus died on the cross so that all people could hear and that all people could be brought to repentance, that all could have a a chance to hear. And do you think, can you think about the just the mere fact that you or think about the think about just the uh, the what a wonderful uh blessing and what a, uh, what a what a not not a coincidence it was that you are sitting where you are today that you're saved that god loves you enough that somebody told you the way and somebody told you the truth. That's not a coincidence. Just think about that. Uh, that you're not a Jew. You're a Gentile. I'm a Gentile. And, and I live, yes, in America, but not everybody in America is going to heaven. Newsflash, right? And not everybody in America believes the Bible. Not everybody in America believes the gospel and has put their faith in Jesus Christ. And we're here for such a time as this. God, there's no mistake. God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. Your life, where you're at, where you work, where you live, the church you go to, the places you go, God has a plan for you. I'm so glad I'm a part of that. It's not a coincidence. Not a coincidence. I want you this morning to ask God if you would. Ask God if you would to help you and help me and help all of us. Help all of us to develop a love for someone that is different than us. Whether it's culture, whether it's a, whatever their background is, whether it's maybe even a different religion, whatever it is. And I'm not just going to say, well, sometime in your life, this week, that God would bring that person into your path, across your path, that you would have an opportunity to share the love of Christ with somebody who is different than you. Because we need to grow in this area. This is not the trend among independent fundamental Baptist churches to come into the cities and to go into the, the diverse areas, the population centers. That's not the trend. So we have to be the leaders. You you might be thinking, well, how is Souls Harbor, the small church in Milwaukee, supposed to have any kind of impact in influencing the rest of the churches in the country or the world to have a heart and a love for the cities and the population centers? There's power in the life of one Christian. There's also power in the life of one church. You think about the church in the book of Acts, the early church in Jerusalem. Every every person here is here as a result of the first church in the book of Acts. That one church has impacted every corner of the world. It took a few years, but we're here because of that. We don't know what the future holds, necessarily, 100%. We don't know what all is going to happen, but let us be the leaders. Let us get the passion and the vision for what God can do in the world. The book of Acts is a historical narrative, but the power of God is not relegated to uh, the early first century church. The power of God is still upon His people, but we need to submit to the Holy Spirit and, and and yield ourselves to God and say, God, I'm willing to grow in this area. I'm willing to look beyond culture. I'm willing to look into Samaria. I'm willing to even uh, uh, yield myself, my spouse, my family... My family, my children, the very dearest possessions that I have to be a missionary, wherever you send me, Lord, but until you send me somewhere else, dear Lord, help me to be a missionary right where I'm at. That is what God's church needs in America. God's church in America... Although we do so much for foreign missions, <laughs> we, kind of, we kind of give ourselves a pass when it comes to home missions. And, and even if we do get involved in home missions, it's always sending somebody else. But what about us? What about us? Man, we have such an opportunity here in this city. The population is here. We're never going to run out of people to talk to. (laughs) That's kind of the hard part, isn't it? Where do you start? Just start where God starts you. God's going to bring, if you say, God, just bring somebody to my path, across my path this week. Help me to share the love of Christ with that one person. And if it's two, share it with both of them, okay? But whatever it is, God has a plan for you. God has a plan for the world. Let's put it this way. God has a plan for the world. We know that. And God wants you to be a part of that plan. All right? That's His plan for us. Let's go ahead and stand together. And I'm, I'm going to ask us: Let's pray for one another. But pray for ourselves, too. Let's submit ourselves to God. We're going to be a part of His plan. We're going to ask God for power. We need the Holy Spirit, just like Peter at the day of Pentecost, to stand in power to be emboldened, to preach the truth. He preached to the Jews. And then they went to the Gentiles. They went to Samaria. They went to the Gentile nations. They went to the whole world. Why do we have to just read about this? Why can't we just be a part of it? Why can't we just do that? I want to be a part of something God's doing. I don't want to just exist. I don't want to just have a church. I want to be a part of God's church. Let, the, let God's church be the church. How many of you this morning, by uplifted hand, you're saying, I want to be a part of what God's going to do in my community. I want to be a part of that. I don't want to wait until somebody else does it first. I want to be a part of God's work in my community. You tell me, raise your hand if you would. I'll pray for you. Let's pray together this morning. Dear God, I do pray that you'd help us as a church to submit ourselves. We've taken that first step. where We're asking you, Lord, to, to, to put us into your ministry, to be involved with missions right where we are at. And dear Lord, we ask that you would raise up a mighty host out of this church that will impact our community, that will impact our our, our nation and our world. May we not be uh, knocked down because of a fear of culture, or even political fears or whatever else is going on. I know we're living in a time of unprecedented, as far as our country, unprecedented uh, power grab and uh, fear mongering and a loss of freedom and a loss of Uh, health for some people and it's a difficult time but God you are bigger than this problem and this problem uh, you will use to help us and others to get our eyes onto you Lord help us to realize you are even allowing coronavirus and all the other things going on to get people to look to God Lord help us not to look at the blessing as a curse Whereas in our human eyes, we'd see there, there's no blessing, there's no upside to this problem. But to realize this is a, a blessing from God, because as a, a soldier in your army, we have an unprecedented opportunity to see people uh, brought to their knees and brought to uh, the end of themselves and to be humbled and to, be, uh, and to have an, uh, just a chance to just maybe look at God and, and, to, and to realize that there is a God and there is a, a, a eternal judgment for the sinner. But Jesus Christ, God's son, loves us so much that he gave himself for us. And we can be saved. It doesn't matter who we are, where we've been, what we've done, where we grew up, what our parents, who our parents are, what uh, uh, color skin we have. But God, You love all people and help us, Lord, to just submit to you in that way and just say, God, you're using my circumstances. You're using the world uh, problems to get people to look to you. Help us to be a part of your plan. Help us to just be engaged with giving out a witness to be a a mountain.